To be quite honest with you, the funding models are shifting. The old funding models, you know, Meet the Composer and the American Music Center really were built on models that made sense in the 80s and the 90s. You know, the funding climate was completely different. You had huge organizations like Exxon who were giving a lot of money for the arts. That doesn't happen so much anymore. Foundations are shifting their priorities to different areas. The arts don't have as much of that same sort of play that they used to back in the 80s and 90s. So just by the way the funding climate is changing, is forcing other people to think differently on how can I get this project funded. One of the unique things is to see how people are trying to experiment in different ways and, and pool resources and talk to their friends and so what can we do to get this work out there outside of that older system. While at first you might say, oh, we have to you know, do this in this grassroots way and pool all these resources and this is a much harder thing, ultimately when we talk about making these pieces be part of a continuing tradition, there are more people connected to it at the end of the day. And on a very grassroots level, the fact that a bunch of performers pool together to get a piece, it belongs to all of them and it gives that piece a life. That's Frank J. O'Terry and Scott Winship from New Music USA talking about commissioning models, but especially how those models have changed. There's been a really big shift in how people commission music, who commissions music, and how composers are commissioned and, and these consortiums that uh, do the commissions. Welcome to Relevant Tones. I'm Seth Bosted, and I'll be talking about new commissioning models on today's show. Uh, but before I go into that, let's get back to Frank and Scott. And uh, first of all, Frank, tell us about the origin of New Music USA. Well, um, New Music USA, we're now more than a year old, but we're actually you know, more than 70 years old. We are the result of a merger between two very significant organizations that serviced the field of new music in America, the American Music Center, which was established in 1939 by a group of composers that included Aaron Copeland, Marion Bauer, Harrison Kerr, Quincy Porter, Otto Lewining, and Howard Hansen. Those are the six. And Meet the Composer was founded in 1974 by another composer, John Duffy. And these two organizations really changed the landscape of American music. The American Music Center, by establishing this repository for American scores at a time when there was no such thing, and then went on to be involved with a variety of programs, including one of the first orchestra commissioning programs in the 1950s, um, and then you know, in, its, in its final years, New Music Box and Counterstream Radio, which I'm happy to report, <laughs> are still very much alive at New Music USA. And Meet the Composer, of course, establishing, I'm looking at this wonderful photo across the room of the orchestra residencies program of the 1980s, and the fact that the term composer in residence is a term that resonates is because of this program and because of Meet the Composer. So these two organizations with these two incredible legacies are now together to forge what we hope will be an even greater legacy in the 21st century. And we're talking today about new commissioning models. What uh, typically and historically is a commission? Who commissions music? And how did it used to happen before, I guess, these new models that we're going to get to in a moment? 
Well, in the most recent modern era, the, the way a commission came about was usually an organization was interested in commissioning a composer. They would go and find funds through some sort of agency, usually a foundation or a government agency, in order to pay the composer for the time of writing their music. Now, that model still does exist uh, in today's world, although it is starting to shift and we're starting to see a lot more collaborative elements and a lot more collaborative outreach in terms of how composers uh, get work created and how actually sound artists get, get work created, not just composers. It's, it's more than just that. Well, by far the most ambitious of these new commissioning models is the Ford Made in America program. This is a joint program between Ford and New Music USA. And the idea is that it would be a coalition of orchestras that would chip in on the commission fee. So no one orchestra has to bear the brunt of the commission fee, which is very good for them. But it's also good for the composer because the composer gets to write a new piece for orchestra. She receives her commission. And she also, though, gets to have multiple performances in different cities of the piece. This is a really huge thing in New Music because we have this problem where uh, it's not so, so difficult to get the world premiere, but then the piece oftentimes, you know, it can be ballyhooed quite a bit at the, at the opening premiere, but then it goes on a shelf and it's it's oftentimes not performed again. So this idea that the piece is going to grow, it's going to be in different cities, the composer is going to travel to some of those cities, as many as possible, engage with the audience. This is just a fantastic thing, I think, for audiences, for the composers, and for the orchestras. The first commission went to Joan Tower, and she wrote a piece called Made in America. And the coalition grew uh, little by little from just a few orchestras to 20 orchestras, and then eventually to nationwide. And um, in 2008, the recording made by the Nashville Symphony won three Grammys, including Best Classical Contemporary Composition. So there you go. (laughs) Um, Let's have a listen. This is Leonard Slatkin and the Nashville Symphony performing Made in America by Joan Tower.
What a great triumphant ending to that piece. I think it's uh, absolutely appropriate for the first Made in America commission. That was Leonard Slacken leading the Nashville Symphony in Made in America by Joan Tower. I just think, you know, as I was listening to that music, I'm thinking to myself about how how amazing it, it would have been to have been at any of these concerts, you know, from the biggest symphony orchestra in a major city, but the piece traveled in all 50 states. So it was also heard in Fairbanks, Alaska, and Honolulu, Hawaii, and, you know, little towns in between. Uh, what, what an amazing thing to share the music with so many different kinds of people from such different backgrounds and places where, you know, they don't normally have a composer come and visit, especially not of the stature of Joan Tower to come and talk about the piece. What a fantastic program. So thanks so much to Ford and to New Music USA for making such a great program possible. Another new model that's becoming popular for commissioning is where the performers themselves commission music, especially for instruments that don't have a lot of uh, solo repertoire or uh, new ensembles that are springing up, saxophone quartets, bass quartets, things like this. As the performers have gotten better, uh, things like percussion and saxophone and tuba uh, are no longer just a kind of an orchestral backdrop fulfilling one role. These guys can stand as soloists in their own right, and they want their own music. They, they, can, they can arrange other people's music only so long before they want their own music. And so oftentimes they band together and they will commission a piece from a composer. And again, it's very good for the composer to get these multiple performances, multiple interpretations of the same work. A great example is the American Saxophone Quartet. A few years ago, they embarked on the commissioning project in which they commissioned several composers to write new pieces for them. And what I thought was especially interesting was that they decided to include clarinet in the mix. So you've got the standard saxophone quartet, or well, what has become the standard saxophone quartet of soprano sax, alto sax, tenor sax, and barry sax, but they're also going to have clarinet. The piece that I want to feature is called Views from a Train by composer Michael Holliber, and the movement is Chorale. The clarinetist on this particular piece is Chicago's own Larry Combs.
was the chorale movement of Views from a Train by composer Michael Holliber, a piece that was commissioned by the American Saxophone Quartet. You're listening to Relevant Tones, and I'm talking about new commissioning models today. This is a really interesting thing because the idea that you would just go and write a grant and, and get money and, and commission a, a composer for a new piece is still there, of course, but um, but it's, it's changing too. There's this rise in entrepreneurialism and the same spirit that leads uh, young musicians to form intrepid contemporary new music ensembles is leading them to find new commissioning models, to raise money by themselves, to uh, collaborate together, to uh, try things like Kickstarter. And, 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 uh, and I think this is really creating more in-depth collaborations. The performers are more invested in the commissioning process. Um, you know, the composer has uh, more performances, more interpretations of the pieces. It's leading to some really fascinating collaborations. And speaking of intrepid performers, as I was researching the show, I came across a young bassoonist named Dana Jessen, and the story of this piece that she commissioned from Michael Gordon Rushes really got to me. It's just a, a fascinating story of somebody who, who uh, has a goal in mind and works towards it and doesn't let obstacles thwart her and, and is adaptable, willing to change her original idea. Um, like I said, she's a bassoonist. Like a lot of bassoonists, she doesn't have a lot of repertoire and, and, and definitely is always on the lookout for new stuff. When she was in Holland on a Fulbright grant, she heard about a piece by Michael Gordon called Low Quartet that's scored for any four low-sounding instruments. And uh, she recorded herself playing all four parts on the bassoon and sent it off to Michael, thinking to herself, oh, you know, he, he probably gets so much fan mail, you know, I'll, I'll never hear back from him. To her surprise, he wrote back and he was delighted with the new sound. He had never heard the quartet done before on one instrument, let alone the bassoon. And, uh, you know, so he just really waxed rhapsodic about it. And she wrote him back and was emboldened to ask, well, uh, you know, could I commission you to write a bassoon piece? Have you ever thought about writing a bassoon piece? He was uh, very open to the idea, but of course there's a commission fee involved. But here's where I, I, I was really intrigued by her story, because rather than give up, she just changed the idea. Well, what if it's not just for one bassoon? What if it's for multiple bassoons? And so she reached out to bassoonists and people that, that had an interest in increasing the bassoon repertoire and eventually got 30 people to, to kick in. And the piece became, instead of a solo bassoon piece that would have been maybe six or eight minutes long, instead uh, he decided to write for seven bassoons. He wrote a 60-minute evening-length piece and so because she broadened the project, because she was adaptable and willing to change her original conception, instead of a, a solo piece, she had a, a large community now of people that are engaged in this piece, that are invested in it, and she got to give the world premiere of a significant new piece by a major composer for seven bassoons. I just think it's a fantastic story. We won't have enough time, of course, to hear the whole thing, but let's have a listen to an excerpt. This is a little bit of Rushes by Michael Gordon, performed by Dana Jessen and her fellow bassoon conspirators.
That was Dana Jessen leading her Rushes Ensemble, performing an excerpt of a piece called Rushes by Michael Gordon. You're listening to Relevant Tones, a show that features the music of contemporary composers. On today's show, I'm talking about new commissioning models. You can find out more about the show on our Facebook page or on our website at relevanttones.com. Hi, welcome to our video. My name is Artan Torgel, and I'm the violinist, managing, and artistic director of Soli Chamber Ensemble. National and international presence is growing through our residency programs and through our concerts. And with the support of investors like you, we will soon be performing. Join us in bringing Steve Mackey's new masterpiece to life by becoming one of Soli's new sound investors. Thanks for watching. Clips from the Kickstarter video in which Ertan Torgel, artistic director of the Soli Chamber Ensemble, asks the public to help support an exciting new commission by composer Stephen Mackey. And I think it's just a fantastic example of what I'm talking about on the show today, these new commissioning models. They asked for $9,000, but in the end actually raised almost 11000 Most of that was from really small contributions like $25, $50, $100. And it's just so amazing to me that uh, here's a model where the public, the general public, has a vested interest in the creation of the work. And some of the things that they're promising the people that donate money are the ability to stream the premiere live, a facsimile of the first page of the score signed by the composer. These kinds of things that, um, that, that are really appealing to people because they now have such a vested interest in the creation of a new piece of music. Again, it ensures that no one entity bears the full brunt of the commissioning, and I think it's really good for the composer, too, because with this many people having a vested interest in the piece, it ensures that the piece will have a life beyond the premiere. Let's have a listen. It's a fairly lengthy piece, so we're going to hear a couple of excerpts. This is the Soli Chamber Ensemble performing excerpts of Prelude to the End by Stephen Mackey.
The Soli Chamber Ensemble, performing excerpts of Prelude to the End by composer Stephen Mackey. And that's a piece that they commissioned with funds they raised through an innovative Kickstarter campaign. Well, you don't really think of individuals commissioning music to commemorate, say, an anniversary or, or a special event in their lives, but it does happen. And in fact, it happened to my good friend and former teacher, Stacy Garrett, who was kind enough to come down and talk to me about this project. Stacy, how did this commission get started? Well, this one started back around 2005. Um, I was at BAM Center for the Arts, minding my own business, getting some composing done, when I get an email from Freda Hyman that um, Jim Ginsburg is trying to get in touch with me from Sadie Records. And what had happened is that um, a couple named Tom and Nadine Hamilton, who live in Washington, D.C., had contacted Jim Ginsburg. They had read an article in the New York Times where anybody can commission a piece of music. And Tom's mother's birthday was coming up. She was turning 90, and they thought, why don't we do this instead of just do something else? So Tom's mother, Nadine, lives in the Chicago area. Tom went to Roosevelt University for his master's, so he decided to uh, reach out to Sadie Records, and he got in touch with Jim. So Jim asked around and found out that there was a a local composer um, involved with the Music in the Loft series that people were recommending, and that happened to be me. So when he contacted Freda Hyman, who was the founder of the series and director of the series, she then got in touch with me. I sent a CD to Jim, who then sent it on to Tom Hamilton, and everybody liked it, so we decided to move forward with the project. It was Jim Ginsburg's idea, I believe, to choose Eleanor Roosevelt as the topic of the piece, because Tom had actually written a description of his mother, uh, Margaret, that he passed on to Jim. And Margaret really was a political activist. Um, she even was teaching and directing an adult learning center at DuPage College up through into her 90s. So um, I think Jim looked at that and said, well, Eleanor Roosevelt might be a, a good mm-hmm. selection. So from there... Um, It was once we decided that I would be the composer and it would be a song cycle and it would be about Eleanor, it was up to me to to decide how to select the texts. Yeah, and how did you, well, first of all, the idea of Eleanor Roosevelt was appealing to you, and then how did you choose the text from there? Well, Eleanor Roosevelt, it certainly was appealing to me for many reasons, part of of which I had been teaching at Roosevelt since 2000. Um, More than that, I just think she's an an incredible figure. What I began to do is collect all the different writings and speeches and things that she's done. Ironically, I actually started with the My Day newspaper column that she had put out from, I think it was 1937 to 1962. This is a, a syndicated column that she wrote, I think, four days a week, basically. And it covered anything from events in the White House to the mail that she would get, both positive and negative. But from there, I went on to her speeches and her essays and the work at the United Nations. And then it finally occurred to me after about a month and a half of reading that this is for a woman's birthday party. You know, it shouldn't be all heavy topics. There should be some lightweight humor in it, too. So I went back to the very first thing I read, which was the My Day newspaper column. And from there, I selected out a number of humorous and serious columns. I got it down to 20 and then down to 10 and then finally down to the six that I used for the piece. Great. Well, we have time to listen to one movement. Let's hear the first movement, the newspaper column, based on the My Day column. Buffy Baggett, mezzo-soprano, accompanied by Kwang Hao Huang on piano. Washington, September 8, 1936. I think people might be amused to know of some of the strange situations in which I've been obliged to write my newspaper column. One day stands out vividly in my mind. The president was opening Shenandoah Park, and we left Washington early in the morning. Mrs. Scheider brought her portable typewriter and came along in one of the White House cars that was going back in the afternoon. Thank you. 
responded. We heard Movement 1 of In Eleanor's Words, The Newspaper Column by Stacey Garrup. That was Buffy Baggett singing mezzo-soprano and Kwang Hao Huang on piano. Well, we've heard a piece that was commissioned using Kickstarter funds. We heard uh, about a couple in Washington, D.C. who got the commissioning bug and just started commissioning money with their own personal funds. We've heard about artist-driven commissioning models, all these wonderful things that are happening now that really are changing how uh, pieces are commissioned, which means it's really changing the face of of contemporary classical music. And uh, so these commissioning models are really very important. But I want to return to the Ford Made in America program because it really is the most ambitious and incredible program. You've got orchestras in 50 states and and, uh, the pieces are getting 60, 70 performances. What an amazing program. The first composer, as we heard in the beginning of the program, was Joan Tower. The second composer they commissioned was Joseph Schwantner, a piece called Chasing Light. It's in four movements. We have time to hear one movement. Calliope's Rainbowed Song, performed by Giancarlo Guerrero and the Nashville Symphony.
That was Giancarlo Guerrero leading the Nashville Symphony Orchestra in Calliope's Rainbowed Song, which is the second movement of Chasing Light by Joseph Schwantner. And that is the second of the Ford Made in America collaborations, uh, an enormous undertaking, huge consortium of orchestras in all 50 states. And uh, each of the orchestras premiered the piece. So instead of a piece just uh, having its world premiere, you know, much ballyhooed and then never you never hear it again. Um, it got performed, in this case, it was performed, I think, over 60 times, which is just a remarkable thing. We've been talking about new commissioning models today on Relevant Tones. I hope you've enjoyed listening to all of these pieces. Each one has its own unique story. Relevant Tones is produced by Jesse McCorders at WFMT. For more information about the program and the artists we've featured, you can find us on Facebook or visit our website at relevanttones.com. Relevant Tones is made possible by the generous support of Grosvenor Capital Management, Carol Joins and Abby O'Neill, an anonymous donor, and the listener supporters of WFMT. I'm your host, Seth Bosted, and thank you very much for listening.